You're listening to a message from Canby Foursquare Church in Canby, Oregon. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to you. Visit canbyfoursquare.com to learn more. Everybody, uh, if you don't know me, my name is again Pastor Ryan. Uh, I get to pastor the Next Gen Ministries here at the church, so that looks like young adults. Um, middle school and high school as well. I love working. I say this all the time. I love working with Renee first, and I'm kind of biased now because my wife works in our kids' department as well. So I love working with our kids' department. I also love some people in our kids' department. If you're watching, uh, honey, I love you. You're really cute. Um, but I'll say this. I love that. I love all this because there. I think sometimes we take for granted, I'm going to say the veterans in the room, thank you so much. I think we take for granted stories or shared experiences or the wisdom that people can bring. And I know uh, as a young adult, young adult at one point, I know there was a time in my life where I, I thought I had it all figured out and I thought I could do it all on my own. But then when I realized I couldn't, I knew who I could go to. And it was people who had gone before me, who had done it already and could give me some of that wisdom and can give me some of that. And so uh, I want to say specifically to that call for this church to partner with our young adults is what story do you have or what awesome experience can you share that, yeah, one time a year, maybe two times a year, what does that look like to come and pour into the next generation a little bit? Because um, we've all got stories to tell. Um, and I, I love, honestly, I love a good story. Um, and I, I love stories that shape and change our lives and give us these life-changing experiences. Uh, and that's where we're going to be today. We're going to look at John chapter 9 where a man had a life-changing encounter with Jesus. And the man had a story to tell for the rest of his life. Um, if you've ever had, if you've, you've, we've all probably had a few of those. I mean, I'm sure you have as well, where something crazy happens in your life and you're thinking, oh my goodness, this is something I can't wait to tell someone about. Some of us probably have more of these than others. Like I'm a little bit younger. I probably don't have as many quite yet, but I'm looking forward to earning a few more. But some of the most, I'd say, influential, life-changing experiences I've had in my faith and ministry, I'm going to say it, have all happened at summer camp. I love summer camps, guys. They're just crazy enough, just controlled enough to, like, make a bunch of fun stuff happen. Uh, and actually, I've gotten to work at kids' camps for our, our third through fifth graders and uh, middle school and high school camps across the board. And I got to say, I love students and I love youth camps, but kids' camps are a different beast uh, and a different amazing experience. And uh, there was actually this story that I want to share with you this morning of a, a young boy. Uh, and this is what we do at kids' camps is we... Every year we have historically gotten a slip and slide, like an inflatable slip and slide. You put water on it, kids slide down it. But about, I don't know, it was about five years ago, the guy who was running the company we rented from brought also a bubble machine. Have you seen those where they make just a giant thing of bubbles? And they said, like, hey, have you ever considered, like, hanging it over the slip and slide? And just letting the slip and slide cover be covered with bubbles. And he's like, I've never thought of that. And so he did that. And it was the, the biggest hit all camp long. And it's, this is safe bubbles, too. So they're not going to harm children's digestive tract or their eyes or whatever. You know, if they, one kid goes open mouth, open eyes the whole way. Like, um, and one kid, though, did do this. It was, one of the la- it was like the last full day of camp. We'd been teaching them through stuff. And actually, ironically, we taught through John 9 earlier in the morning, uh, which, spoiler alert here before we get there, is where Jesus heals a man who was born blind. And the kid went through the slip and slide into the water at the end, and they got out, and they panicked. Uh, I believe it was a boy. He just, he was freaked out. There was bubbles all over his face. He literally goes, 
I'm not kidding. I'm blind. I can't see anything. And we're like, no, it's okay. It's just a foam. And he, but you couldn't console him. He couldn't calm him down. Luckily, the nurse was right there. And nurses always have a way with, like, calming people down. Something like I'm a professional is always good for making you feel like you're in good hands. And the nurse was able to pour water over his face and get him calmed down. And he wouldn't open his eyes, though. He's like, no, I can't see. I just know I won't be able to see at all. And we're like, no, just trust us. Open your eyes. Just, just trust us here. You'll, you'll be fine. And finally, he opens his eyes. And, like, it was like he saw the sun for the first time. It was like, uh, but he opened his eyes. He goes, oh, I can see. And then he, he runs over to, I think it was, like, one of the camp staff. And he goes, guess what? I was blind, but now I see. And as you'll see later in this story, we're going to hear those same words uttered by a man who was actually blind. But this this young boy who had heard this story earlier in the day had an actual experience and story to tell based off of what he had heard from the Bible earlier that day. And it, it took him a little bit, but he learned to trust and have some faith behind what people were asking him to do, the instructions we were giving him. And I love that story. It's one of my favorite stories from camp, other than when we lost a kid down the river momentarily, but we won't talk about that. And I can't promise you our story in the Bible will be as exciting as one I just told, but it is a really good one. And if you do have your Bibles, we're going to open up to John chapter 9, and we're going we're gonna to read through, again, most of it. I, when, I love teaching on just chapters because I love just going through the whole thing. This is where Jesus heals this blind man who's born blind on the Sabbath, of course, because it's like if Jesus is healing someone, chances are it's on the Sabbath. And it's like he just didn't care about the man-made construct of the Sabbath and the way all the rules they had and all the rules that the religious leaders had created around the Sabbath where God was saying, let's break those down a little bit. And in John chapter 9, we see this pretty evidently. So if you got your Bibles, follow along with me. It's, uh, we're going to read verses 1 through 7. It says this. It says, um, so Jesus, again, uh, sorry, quickly before we get into that, I want to say that we're, we're coattailing with chapter 8 where Jesus has his conversation with a crowd of people, and he says, hey, I am, you know, I am the one you're looking for. And then they tried to kill him. They wanted to, they wanted to stone him, but he slipped away. And he slips away, and then he, he's still in town. He's still in Jerusalem. And then this is the fir- one of the first next things he does as he's in Jerusalem, as he does this act. And it's, uh, verse 1 says, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Uh, neither this man uh, nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. And as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. And um, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And that's the statement he made in chapter 8 where Jesus said, I am the light of the world. So he says it again. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told them, to wash in the pool of Siloam. Uh, this word means sent. And so the man went and washed and came home seeing. Jesus works this amazing miracle. Amen to God's word. Like, come on. Like, there's this awesome miracle that we just read sometimes. And then we just go, oh, that was really cool that Jesus did that. Cool. Now, now what's he going to do? This man had been blind from birth. And the first thing this man most likely saw, I don't want to say for sure because it doesn't say. But he went to wash in a pool and I don't know about you, when I go to wash my face, it's usually one of these motions where I, you get down and then if you're looking in a, at a pool and the first thing you see is the water, the first thing you're actually going to see is your own reflection in the water. 
And the first thing this man most likely saw was himself and what he looked like. Because Jesus, this miracle wasn't about just helping him physically see. There was, some, there was some other layers here. He helped this man see him for who he truly was for the first time. Jesus helped him see himself physically, and then we're going to see at the conclusion of the story, spiritually for the first time. And so common belief, I'll just say it really quickly up front, is that uh, if you had some kind of ailment like this, or if there was something wrong with you, uh, they blamed it on either some sin you had uh, committed or a sin your parents had committed. Like the disciples asked this question, who sinned that this guy is blind? Was, did he sin or did his parents sin? And common belief was like, if you're born blind, like your parents probably messed up. And it's God punishing you for their sin. And Jesus is like, hey, like, that's not the case here. Like, he's here today so I can show him, I can show you, and I can show the world just how powerful God is. Our spiritual blindness is what keeps us from life-changing experiences with Jesus. And this is, this is what I want to focus on this morning, church, is how do we have one more, either our first one or more of these life-changing encounters, these life-changing experiences with Jesus. And so I'm going to kind of just quickly go through three things that I observed from this passage, and I want to walk through them with you this morning. The first one would be this, is that we follow Jesus' instructions. If you want to have a life-changing time experience, you got to follow, do what Jesus says. We talked about this last Sunday when we're opening up God's words, his instruction manual to us about who we are, about who he is to find our, our own identity. You know, we got we to get into the word a little bit. And if you, if you missed last week's message, you can always go to our website and watch it. It's up there. Um, it's on our website if you go to sermons. It's all about Jesus' identity and our identity. Jesus gave the man in the story, instructions to go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is the very same pool, fun fact, that exists in Jerusalem because King Hezekiah dug that, per, like, just amazing tunnel to a spring and then took that water and diverted it to the, um, the town of Jerusalem when they were being under siege from the Assyrians. He knew an attack was coming, and this is hundreds of years prior. King Hezekiah said, the Assyrians are coming to lay siege to the city. We're going to need some water. And he dug this amazing tunnel and he started at one end at both ends and they met in the middle and it's really funny I actually have walked through this tunnel when I went to Israel you're walking through a tunnel that's like this the whole way and at one point you just kind of step out and you go oh my gosh the ceiling's all the way up there because they met but they kind of met like this they kind of missed each other just slightly and this pool is this spring that's in this that's been diverted into the city that was this deliverance for God's people in a time when it seemed like maybe all hope was lost. And this is the pool Jesus says, hey, go to that one and wash there. And he gave him those instructions. Have you ever felt like God was telling you to do something crazy? Or, or wondered why he didn't just do that one thing you needed him to do for you? You're like, you're the God of miracles, hello, like I need this, can you just do it for me? And he's saying like, no, I want you to go and do this. Sometimes he is more interested in our heart and our willingness to listen to him than he is in doing the miracle right away. Sometimes he's more interested in seeing our heart and our trust, our faith on display in the moment. Because I'm sure this man had heard of Jesus, or at least I'd hope he'd, he'd heard of Jesus, and he knew that God, this Jesus guy, was capable of miracles. And instead of healing him on the spot, Jesus makes some mud 
and I can't imagine what this guy's going through his head of he's blind, he hears people calling him a sinner at a distance, and then all of a sudden some guy spits on the ground in front of him and rubs some like weird thing on his face and tells him to go take a bath. And he's just, I'm, I mean, he just says, okay, I'll go take a bath. That sounds great. Without following Jesus' instructions, though, this man would have never seen anything. He wouldn't have seen himself. He wouldn't have been able to physically see, but he wouldn't have been able to see the faith he needed. He wouldn't have been able to encounter the Son of Man. I struggle, honestly, a little bit with, with stuff like this. If you're wanting one of those experiences, can I make a suggestion? Because this is what I have to kind of tell myself every day. Even right now, I'm telling it to myself because I'm talking fast, is to just slow down. Sometimes we get too, we, we, we move too quickly or life is coming at us so fast and there's a lot going on and it's really easy just to speed through things or do things, I'll say it like this, our way. I struggle with slowing down to see what God is doing and I often refuse to slow down even enough to let God's plan take effect. This man had to let Jesus' plan work out. If he tried his own way, he would not have had that life-changing experience. What do you feel, hear, experience sometimes when God is asking you to do something that might sound a little bit out there? Have we become too busy for God? Too busy for his plans that we sit on autopilot a little bit, which just defaults to our way, which is the way our flesh and, you know, our body would naturally go to instead of defaulting to the Lord's way when we take our time and we pray, when we take our time and we seek God and we take our time to slow down and maybe look with our eyes and see around us what God is wanting to do. Those who are looking for a life-changing experience with Jesus should just slow down. Jesus is always very intentional with what he did and with what he said. And I'll say this, the Holy Spirit is still right now at work being very intentional with what he does and what he says to us. We can trust that God has our best intentions at mind. I'll say this, Jesus had this man's best intentions at heart. And he asked this man to go and do something that sounded kind of crazy. And he did it. Proverbs 3 Verses 5 through 6 says this. I actually stole this because my wife was reading it earlier this week. And she told me about it. And I was like, that's really good. I need to include that in this. It says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And in all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. God, church, has your best intentions at heart and on his mind always. He's kind of obsessed with us in that way. So this is the second thing I would say is that this, is that if we can follow Jesus' instructions, then we need to trust his intentions. Like this verse we just stated, you may need to start or continue to, to lean on God's understanding a little bit more in, your, in our lives, in your life. And though this may be hard, and I think this is hardest for, for some people more than others, uh, try submitting to him. Letting go of the pride a little bit. This is something I deal with a little bit. I can be kind of prideful. I struggle with letting go of things every now and then. God's word says he will straighten out our lives and provide a way for us. That sounds so easy. The hard part is us getting out of our own way and letting it happen. 
Jesus made a way for this blind man to see for the first time in his life. Jesus had the best intentions for, for this man, despite the circumstances of the Sabbath happening. And, you know, Jesus said, like, hey, it's light out right now. And while it's light and while I'm the light of the world, while I'm here, I got to do what I got to do. Doesn't matter what day of the week it is, I'm going to go do the will of my father. Now we get to look at the aftermath of this man's life and the experience he had on this encounter with Jesus and what happens to him after he, now he can see, you would think things would go pretty smoothly for him, but things get a little bit more complicated. And you'll find things can get complicated in life, I think we all know that, and how we then respond is the most important thing. So we're going to read in John chapter 3, verses 13 through 18 really quick, um, and we're going to find out what happens to this man after the fact. And it says this, it says, um, they, brought you to the, they brought him to the Pharisees, the man who had been blind. Now the day in which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. And this is what's crazy is a lot, there's a lot of speculation uh, as to how far this man walked that he broke the Sabbath by making the trip to the pool itself. Um, but Jesus physically spitting on the ground and then mixing the, the, fing- the, the dirt in his fingers with the water, like his own spit and putting them on the man's eyes was breaking the Sabbath as well. Not the fact that he healed them too, which, you know, he shouldn't have done on the Sabbath either, but that making mud was against the rules on the Sabbath. I just wanted to state that a little bit so we can kind of see the context for what they were trying to put on people. Therefore, the Pharisees also took him uh, who had received his sight uh, and put mud on his eyes. It said, oh, sorry, sorry, my bad. It says, therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man said, and I washed, and now I see. And some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes who he opened. And the man replied, he is a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been born blind and received his sight until they had sent for the man's parents. This is the best part, too. So this, this is what nine, verse 16 says. This man could not be from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. And instead of looking for ways uh, to do things our way, church, I think we need to more often look for ways and reasons to let Jesus do work. Instead of trying to get in his way and look for the reasons why it's hard or how he is complicating things, we could just say maybe we should stop complicating things and let Jesus do what he's going to do. The Pharisees did not look at Jesus' intentions. They only saw what they uh, thought were his mistakes. The Pharisees eventually call this man's parents in because they don't believe that he actually was born blind. They're like, no, this is a trick. We know Jesus, this guy is no good because he doesn't keep the Sabbath. So this guy must be faking it. He was blind and now he can see, like he was faking being blind. Now he can see and Jesus is trying to say, look at this miracle I did. I'm the Messiah. Hallelujah. They're saying no. And then they call his parents and then they say, hey, is this your kid right here? This guy, was he really born blind? And they're like, yeah, that's our kid. He's been blind for a while now. And the Pharisees, they, they just struggle with this concept of the fact that his parents confirmed that their son had indeed been born blind. And his entire life leading up to this moment was for the glory of God to be on display. This man's entire life and his future is at stake here right now as well. Because anyone, um, we're not going to we end, end up reading this, but in verse 22 we find out that anyone who acknowledged Jesus as the Messiah was going to be thrown out. 
And what that meant was anyone who said Jesus is the Messiah, I believe that he is God's Savior, uh, would be excommunicated from the, from the synagogues. They couldn't attend worship. They couldn't hear the God's word being read. They weren't allowed at any festival. They weren't allowed in the temple. They were excommunicated from basically all of the a Jewish and, um, social life at the time. So anyone who came forward said, I do think Jesus is that guy. The Pharisees were like, you're out. You're done. And so his parents were afraid. He was afraid. His parents at one point said, like, hey, like, why don't you ask him what happened? Because we want to stay out of this. We don't want to get thrown out. He's the one who was blind. He's the one who can see now. Ask him. He's old enough to speak for himself, actually, is what they say. <clears throat> so were, were Jesus' intentions good? Yes. He helped a blind man see. I mean, but he, he did more than that. He helped a man experience the love of the Father like he had never before. And Jesus made a way for this man's salvation through his faith. And it started with following Jesus' instructions that he gave him and trusting his intentions. Because we see this man does trust Jesus' intentions. We're going to finish this part of the, of the passage here. It's verses 24 through 34. We see that the blind man comes to Jesus' defense. It says this, it says, a second time they summoned the man who had been born blind, and they said, give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, and this is where our fun story from Kids Camp comes in, I was blind, but now I see. He's saying, I don't know if this guy's a sinner or not, but I do know that I once was blind, and now I see, and that definitely means something. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? So he answered, I have told you already what he, and, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? And I know that part, thank you for laughing. That always makes me giggle too. It's remarkable. Um, it says, we are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we do not even know where he comes from. And the man answered, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth, and how dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. So they handled, they handled that very well. The Pharisees, they keep their cool very well under pressure and under circumstances where maybe they're brought into question they're like mm, they're, they keep their cool the man in this story had a life-changing experience with jesus and he wasn't going to let go of that and my uh, encouragement i want to make here at this point in the message as we're wrapping up here in the next 10 minutes or so is this is that what is what is your life-changing experience that you've had with god that you need to hold on to for dear life when someone comes at you when people come to you and they say, is God really real? Is Jesus, did he really do something in your life? And you can say, I know he's real. I know he did something. Because one time at kids camp, I watched a kid discover how awesome God is because he went through a slip and slide. I know Jesus is real because I've experienced it. But what is your answer? If someone asks you that question, is Jesus real? What experience do you have to pull from that changed your life? At face value, it appears that this experience cost this man because he was thrown out. He was excommunicated. But in reality, it didn't. It gave him a new life. He trusted Jesus. He trusted his intentions. 
when he was in question, and it gave him a, the very thing that Jesus proclaimed he came here to do. He saw the glory of the Father. Jesus said, I, don't, I didn't come here to do anything but what the Father has asked me to do. I don't want to say anything unless the Father has asked me to say it. He saw the image of Jesus that pointed him back to the Father. And this is the last point I want to make this morning, is that if you want one of these kind of life-changing experiences again, or you, need, you just need one in your life right now, or maybe you're, in the, you're, you're listening right now and you're thinking, I've never had one of these. See Jesus' image. Jesus helped this man physically see, yes, but he helped him see him for who Jesus truly was. And I think that's the most important aspect of this story. The passage began with a physical healing of blindness and it ended with the need to be healed through some spiritual blindness. I'll do this. I don't usually do this, but sometimes I do it with the students. And I'll, is, is it, does anyone in here have like terrible vision, like wear contacts or glasses? I wear contacts. I'm also colorblind. Don't ask me about it. I'm a little sensitive about it. Um, but does anyone have like bad, like contacts, glasses? That's okay. Okay. Does anyone have like 2020 in here? Where's our 2020s at? Yeah? Thank you. Someone's really proud of it over here. What about a 20, what about a, is there a 2010 in the room? Someone's like, I've got eye, like eyes like a hawk. No, okay, thank God, because like that person probably is really proud of it too. We have some 2020s though, that's good. I have terrible vision, I'll just say it. Like I, anything that can go wrong with your eyes most likely is wrong with my eyes at this point in my life. I have the stigmatism where my eye's not shaped right, I'm colorblind, and I have terrible vision. Terrible vision. One day I might be, I'm, God forbid, one day I might go blind. But... When, we have, when you go to the eye exam, I, I go to eye exams frequently because my eyes are bad. 2020 over here has probably only been like twice in his life. But you don't, you don't, if you have bad eyes, you know what I'm talking about here because you've been to eye exams. I'm sorry, by the way. I, I'm not trying to. If you've ever been to an eye exam, they do all these crazy things. They, put, they make you put your face up against the stuff and they go better one, better two, better three, better four. Okay, better one. And then they do that test where they blow air in your eyes. What does that even do? I just, I feel like it's more of a prank that eye doctors have made nowadays <laughs> where they say, uh, how many people did you poof today? Like, ah, uh, I poofed every client. <laughs> they do it on me every time. And every time I'm like, ah. Uh. But you go through all these tests and then, but at the very beginning of the appointment, especially for me, they make me take off my contacts usually and see what I can see. And it's very embarrassing. It's like two lines down. They're like, is that an H or an N? I'm like, it's a B. I don't know. And, but then they correct you and they get you to this, they're trying to get you as far down as they can on these lines. And you're like questioning it. You're like, is that a B? Is that a, is that a C? Is that a D? A, a zero? An O? I don't know. And I finally, like, you get to that line, they correct you. You're like, oh, I can read that now. That's not an N, that's an H. Because they use those letters that look kind of like each other at a distance. It's very frustrating. But do, do, have you ever been to that point of the eye exam where you're like, finally, I see it now. I see. The Pharisees thought they had 2020 vision, 2020 spiritual vision, but they couldn't even read the giant A on the top of the chart. Okay? The Pharisees, they thought they had it made, they thought that they had it perfect, but they couldn't even read the A at the top. And as we see, this is how our, the story ends for this man. It's a very good ending. You know, it's a happy ending. I love happy endings. I watch a lot of kids' movies now, which are full of them. And then when I watch an adult movie sometimes and there's no happy ending, I just want to cry. But it says this. It says uh, in verse, we're starting in verse 35. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. So Jesus knew what had happened. And so he came to, to help. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? 
He didn't say, how are you doing? He didn't say, like, hey, what'd you say to them? He goes, no, no, I'm just curious. He just said, hey, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is speaking with you. The man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment I have come into the world so that the blind will see and those who will see will become blind. And I think what Jesus also wanted to say is, yeah, you can see me. I'm standing right here in front of you. See me. But you have now seen him. You have now experienced him firsthand. You have now been able to say, I have met the Savior. I have met God's Messiah. I have experienced what it's like for him to do something powerful in my life. Jesus is saying, you've seen him. Are you trying to see or are you in denial and blind? This is a very hard question for us to ask ourselves, I think, because it's so easy for us to look inwardly and be like, no, I'm good. Like, I, I know what God's doing in my life. I can see it clearly. I'm, I'm pressing on. But it's very easy to think that we have it all figured out or that we have it right when we don't. The Pharisees, throughout every, all, all the four Gospels, we see that they thought they had it figured out, they had it right, that Jesus was no good, that they, he was not God's son. And again, they just were wrong on every account because they could not see. The good news, though, is that this blind man in our story continued trying to see. Will you follow instructions from the Holy Spirit and trust, trust his intentions? Because sometimes the Holy Spirit, God might ask you to do something hard. He might ask you to do something crazy. He might lead you in a way that you think is wrong. But are you going to trust his intentions by seeing the image of Jesus for who he was and knowing that that's the best option I have? If you do, you will see things through that image of Jesus and see what he can truly do for you and, I'll say this, through you. Because nothing, I'm going to be honest, it's kind of like a, it's kind of a selfish thing sometimes. I think, like, I'm going to do something really cool for the Holy Spirit because then I can say, God did this through me. Like, imagine what, I love being able to say, God did this through me. It feels so good. And yes, that's a little bit of my own selfishness coming out. This man was given sight, yes, but what he was really given was the opportunity to have a life-changing experience. He would never be the same physically, obviously. This man was blind. Had, from every moment up until this moment where he encountered Jesus this day, he had been blind. And from that day forward, he was not. Obviously, he had a physical experience with Jesus that was life-changing. But more importantly, he would never be the same spiritually. Even though he was thrown out. Even though he was excommunicated, they threw him out. He wouldn't be able to attend any festivals, any feasts, um, Passover, you name it. Like, he's out. But what he did get is he saw the Father's glory lived out in the Son, Jesus. He saw the image of Jesus. He saw peace. He saw grace. It didn't take vision to see it. It took experiencing Jesus to see it. See, I think Jesus opened this man's eyes as more of a literal object lesson for him to actually see what it meant to be seen. For Jesus to be seen by this man. And for people around him and the people he would encounter and come to, he'd be able to say, this guy, Jesus, literally opened the, a blind man's eyes. And I see him now for who he truly is. He is a savior who's come in the world 
to point us back to the Father. If you're looking for a life-changing experience in your faith, may I encourage you to look no further than what Jesus' Holy Spirit is trying to get you to see or do right now. It's a great question that we should all ask ourselves, I think every day, is God, what are you trying to do in my life right now? It's not just that the Pharisees couldn't see the image of Jesus and who he was, it's that they didn't want to. And I'll ask you this, I want to ask this question as well. Are you in a similar place this morning? Do you feel like you need the, one of these experiences? Do you feel like you need an encounter with Jesus, but you just don't want to see it because it doesn't look like the way you think it should look or want it to look? Ask yourself, do you want to see Jesus or are you actively looking for him to change your life? Because I'll say this, because when Jesus changes your life, things are going to change. Are you okay with that? If you want Jesus to change your life, church, things have to change. And that's going to be difficult, but are you okay with that? Are you willing to follow Jesus' instructions? Are you willing to trust his intentions? And are you willing to see the image of Jesus? Are you willing to see what he's doing and being lived out in your life? Verse 39, I'll read it again, says, For judgment I have come into the world, so that the blind would see, and those that see would become blind. Are you in the process of seeing through the darkness right now, trying to see the light where Jesus says, I am the light of the world. If you see me, you've seen the Father. Are you looking through the darkness, trying to see him right now, or are you letting the darkness slowly take away your sight? Jesus is the light of the world. We can walk in the direction Jesus has called us and look for ways to say yes to God instead of looking for ways to say no to God. Because I've done that. I've looked for ways to say no to God because it didn't look like the way I wanted to. It didn't feel the way I thought it should feel. I've looked for ways to say, God, no, you're wrong. I'm right. Do it my way. And when I dig my feet in, I can tell you it's, I'm always much farther behind than I would have been if I didn't. How do we keep our sight on the image of Jesus this week? We start by being willing to let go of our vision and see things through the eyes of Jesus. The blind man who had just gained his sight was willing to see the image of Jesus and put his trust in him. He was willing to see the world that he had never seen before through the eyes of Jesus. He was, he was putting his eyesight in the trust of what Jesus was saying about him who he should be and what he should do. He had given up his own way and he said, I'm going to do it this way from now on. And if you're looking for one of these this week, try giving up your own way and saying, I'm going to do it Jesus' way this week. What, is that, what does that look like? Does that look like being in your word more every day this week? Or um, if, that's, if you struggle to get in your Bible, you know, does that look like taking three days a week and saying, I'm going to open up my Bible these three days for sure? Am I going to dedicate um, an hour on this day for sure just to be quiet and listen to what he might be trying to say to me or, or guiding me to do? Are you going to take the time this week to really dive in and open up your eyes a little bit to see through the darkness and see the light that's in your life, the light that's guiding you this week? Who are you going to pull into the light like Jesus did? Who are you going to say, hey, I want you to come with me. I want you to go do this. Who are you going to bring along this week? How are you going to see the image of Jesus? And with that church, I want to pray that over us.
I want to pray that we would see God. Maybe for the first time, or maybe we would take, we would see him with fresh eyes this morning. We would see him in a way we haven't seen him in a long time this morning. Would you guys pray with me that? Lord, we, we ask this morning that you would speak so clearly, even when we can't see, Lord, that we would just hear your voice. And it's that voice that we hear or those intentions we, we feel that would lead us towards you, that would lead us this week. And not just this week, Lord. I pray right now in Jesus' name we could all slow down as the holiday season approaches and Thanksgiving and Christmas and all that over the next few months are coming. Help us to slow down a little bit and not get so caught up in the craziness that can happen. But Lord, help us make time for you. Help us to see through some of that darkness. Open up our eyes to what's going on around us and really see where you are, what you're doing, and what you want to do through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. Please let us know if you have questions or would like us to pray with you. You can contact the church office most weekdays at 503-266-4444 and anytime through canbefoursquare.com.